There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to another episode of Open Floor, filling in for your host, Michael the Podpina. I'm Rohan Nadkarni, joined today, uh, New York Times best-selling author. How about that? What a, what a, what a luxury we have on this podcast uh, to have Sports Illustrated senior writer Chris Herring join us. Chris, how's it going, buddy? I'm good, Rohan, and yourself? can't complain uh have you are have you been following the don't worry darling drama how is it that every podcast whether we're talking about push a t or anything else that i never know what you're talking about <laughs> so add this to the list charge this to the game yet another you were like a master at this and it's always right at the top of the podcast so chris Herring can look as culturally irrelevant as possible i watched the newest episode of atlanta damn it like i i I am part of the culture i respect it came out last night i've already watched it no 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 listen there's uh without getting into all the reasons why there are reasons why you and i may have not been caught up with the don't worry darling drama let's just say it doesn't really intersect with um, some of the things we're interested in often, but uh, I went to go see the movie yesterday, and I would say, you know, you probably don't want to bother watching it. <laughs> Who's in it? Let's see. So we got Florence Pugh, um, you know, very, very talented up-and-coming actor. We also have Harry Styles, arguably the biggest pop star in the world. Yes. Directed by Olivia Wilde, who left her husband, Jason Sudeikis, for Harry Styles during filming of the movie. Damn, I didn't know that part. <laughs> Tough scene. Damn. Tough scene, brother. Yep. <laughs> okay, I've, I've heard a little bit about the movie, but I didn't realize it was a movie. So that's I, I had heard the phrase, but didn't realize that's where it's from. I literally was on Wikipedia like two nights ago trying to figure out just like exactly how big a star... Harry Styles was. Then I was like, mm-hmm. oh, he's got like the number one song yeah. in the country right now. He's also done movies. Like, yeah, that qualifies as a pretty big star. So I will admit that that's not really the genre that, mm-hmm. like, I, you know, in terms of pop, once upon a time, I was very into it. Mm-hmm. But uh, between that, and I feel like I've been very checked out on movies aside from like an occasional Netflix, Hulu sort of thing lately, uh, probably because basketball is starting back up. I haven't mm-hmm. been to the theater in a while, but. That makes me feel a little bit better because I was like, "Don't worry, darling." Like I had no clue where that was going or what it was. Was it was it another Pusha T track? Like, so that makes me feel a little bit better at least. That it, maybe that's why I didn't know it. Um, I will say that it is also hard for me to get a gauge of how 
famous Harry Styles isn't a reminder of just how old you and I are getting. Like, I think he did. Yeah. Bro, bro, you know he did 15 nights in a, at Madison Square Garden? Damn, he's coming for Billy Joel, my man. Yeah, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. That's 15? That's impressive. That's wild. They put That's... up a banner. He's got a banner at Madison Square Garden. Talk about talk That's about blood a... in the garden, dude. You, you know. <laughs> man, but like, in all seriousness, though, like, I think... You know, I've I've been reflecting on this a little bit because I turned 35 uh, last year at the very end of last year in December. And like I'm realizing that um, like I was talking to a real estate agent a couple weeks ago and I was like, yeah, like you and me are about the same age. Right. And he was like, how old are you? And I was like, 35. He's like, man, I'm only 27. And it's like in our own eyes, we probably don't really age. Because, like, we still think of ourselves <laughs> right. as, like, being young, like, high school, college weren't that long ago. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I'm, like, talking about coming up on a 20-year high school reunion. Not quite, but, like, almost. And it's like, yeah, you, you probably can't relate as much. Or if and when you can, it's through being able to relate through somebody that is a little bit younger than you are once you get to my age. Like, I've been covering the league now for a solid 10 years. Um, and I've... You know, I didn't start covering the NBA until a couple of years mm-hmm. after I graduated from college. So, you know, we're, I don't, uh, how old are you? I turned 30 last week, just over a week ago. That's right. We were talking about this. Yeah. Happy belated again. Thank you. Um, but yeah, like once you get, I think 30 is like, you can still dip far enough into that. You can still go visit right. the college and maybe yeah. pop up at a party and like people aren't like, why is this dude here? But I was talking about going to a Michigan game with my girlfriend and some friends and I was like, yeah, I'll go to campus and like, <laughs> you know, stay in a hotel that's right off of campus and, you know, maybe do this and that. And it's like, yeah, I'm kind of probably pushing that age where it's like, why is this dude here? Yeah. Uh, and it's so funny because, you know, obviously, you know, you've got good intentions with everything, but it's like, yeah, you're a little bit older than the people that, you know, would be fully into Harry Styles and all those other things. And I think this is like the first year that I'm fully coming to grips with that. This and um, when I was in San Diego for a weekend, and I saw a bunch of kids playing basketball and I was about to hop in and I was like, yo, I might get I embarrassed if I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I need to stretch. They're going to be like, whose uncle just rolled up? Like, you know, it's like, man, I'm, I'm in that age stratosphere now. And it's, uh, it's, it's starting to get humbling where I don't mm-hmm. recognize all the references right away. Anyway, we, no, we cover the yeah, NBA. I'm can, sure you'd yeah, like to podcast yeah. about that. I'll just say elements of washness creeping into my life. I've been crashing on a friend's couch. And my right knee just hurts every morning when I wake up just from sleeping on this couch. So that's where I'm at. But as you said, we are here to cover the NBA. Chris, training camp opened this week, so I thought it'd be fun to hop around and do some training camp takeaways. I'm going to throw out some takeaways I've had and we can discuss. I wrote about this for SI.com today. Uh, Actually, some pretty interesting things. I'd say coming out of training camp so far, things that are making me a little excited for the season even. I want to start, this is going to sound like a little bit of a a homer pick here, I guess, even though I'm not even currently in Los Angeles. But I want to start with actually Anthony Davis. I want to start with Anthony Davis. Uh, Shout out to my guy Kyle Goon, who I believe asked this question about Anthony Davis's shooting. You know, what did he do in in the offseason to, you know, correct his shooting last year, 80 struggling from mid-range three, etc. This is the quote from Anthony Davis. A lot of people don't know this, but since January, I was battling a wrist injury the whole year. So it was affecting my shot and everything. That's not an excuse, but it was tough for me to shoot how I wanted to shoot. I couldn't really follow through. End quote. Uh, For some context, AD shot 18.6 from three last season. The worst mark in his career for a season he attempted at least one a game. Somehow even worse, dude, 17.5% on catch-and-shoot threes. Uh, Only 36.9% from the mid-range. You know, I don't think anyone really expects AD to be bubble AD when he was shooting out of his mind. But I'm just curious, what do you make of the quote? Does it, in a way, I'm wondering if it's almost good news that there's maybe an explanation for a shooting. Uh, What are your thoughts, Chris? Yeah, my, my thoughts are um, <clears throat> it's always difficult to say something like that without sounding it like you're making a little bit of an excuse. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not to say that he is. Um, 
I also understand why you wouldn't like announce that to the league if it was the case, mm-hmm. because you run the risk of people targeting it a little bit. Um, it just makes me hopeful that you know I, I feel like he's taken a pretty big hit in terms of the way he's thought about from even an injury perspective, which would have mm-hmm. been hard to do considering that he's always been kind of thought of as like this glass figure, um, despite the fact that he hasn't had like big, big, like season ending injuries very often. It's always been like a Nick here and Nick there, 10 games here, 12 games there. Um, but it just makes me hope that he's going to be better because of it. Uh, I do kind of wonder to some extent if your wrist is bothering you that badly and you know that it is, um, why keep shooting? Mm-hmm. Uh, I re- I remember literally asking Carmelo Anthony that question one game where he, when I covered the Knicks, where we, they were playing the Raptors. This was back when the Raptors had Rudy Gay, and um, he, it's he like got his arm hit or something, and his arm went numb. It was a shooting arm, and so I said, and he shot like six for like twenty seven, and I think he was like one for twelve after he got hit. And I was like, Carmelo, I'm not trying to be rude, but if if your if you can't feel your arm, and you're shooting that poorly, why would you keep shooting? And he kind of smiled, and he was like, "Look, I'm not trying to say you have to play the game to understand, but you have to play the game to understand. Like, you're a shooter, you're a shooter." And I'm like, "I get it, but like, if you can't, like, I'm not going to town trying to eat things when I can't feel my <laughs> jaw. Like, you know, like there's a reason that they tell you to drink." stuff when you get your wisdom teeth pulled you know like it's not so yeah he's right i haven't played uh davis is you know i imagine he probably has the same thought that like he's a superstar scorer you get to do what you want um so i'm just hopeful that it's better i'll just put it that way i'll leave it at that uh it has been really brutal to where he's one of the worst three-point shooters in the league Mm -hmm. and uh you know, part of what made him so special during that championship run was his ability to shoot from outside which everybody People that are more lean more towards the way we look at basketball, you know, at least factoring in the analytics and stuff like that. People wondered whether that he was kind of shooting above his head, playing above Mm -hmm. his head in Mm -hmm. those finals and in that postseason run. Uh, Obviously, the last couple of years have kind of shown that to be somewhat true. But if there was an injury behind it, then I would expect to see him back closer to the low 30s, mid 30s. And uh, time will tell whether he can do that. Yeah, so that's the interesting thing here. You mentioned the last couple of seasons because it wasn't only last year. I think in 2021, no. it was 26% from three, which was another drop-off. He was in the low 30s, low to mid-30s his first uh, year in L.A. What do you think uh, – this is what's interesting about Anthony Davis because people obviously in the bubble fell in love with the shooting. Um you know, it, early in his Pelicans career, it was, oh, we want to develop the jump shot. And then it was, this guy's too dominant. We, we need to play him. At, you know, I think some of the best ball of his career happened when he was playing at center, kind of anchoring this Pelicans lineups after Boogie Cousins went down uh, in that last, in one of those seasons in New Orleans. What do you, have you ever th- given thought to like, what do you think is the best offensive role for Anthony Davis? Like, how should the Lakers be using this guy? Because... I wrote today, like, the shooting's important because that team has no spacing. Like, him and LeBron are going to have to create their own space. That's going to have to come with them shooting. I think LeBron, based on last year's percentages, was their best three-point shooter. Um, You know, AD is going to play power forward a lot because that's where he wants to play. What even is the right offensive role for Anthony Davis at this point in his career, in your eyes? It's difficult. I mean, if, if his wrist is better, then I think even if he's not a three-point shooter, I think being a guy that can hurt you from 17, 18 feet and mm-hmm. in, um, a guy that can play in the post, um, a guy that can be a pick-and-roll lob threat, mm-hmm. certainly, uh, a guy that can hurt you on the boards. So, you know, to some extent, you remember when they were playing him with Dwight Howard and we always kind of wondered, like, does he need to be out there with AD? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it, it was fine. Sometimes that, that lineup was fine. But for the longest, everybody has said, like, play center. Just be a mm-hmm. center. Uh, particularly if you can get back to shooting the way you were shooting in those postseason uh, games from the, the title run. Because then you can, to some extent, play four and a half, five out. Uh, and so if, if, if he's a decent shooter, you know, someone that can at least stretch the defense out to, like, a long mid-range two – uh, maybe an occasional three, um, 
but you you'd like to be able to see him play from there and 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 be like a, a pick and roll threat with with LeBron. I think is an ideal role for this team. Uh, again, if he can't really shoot, that changes a little bit because even if you have the appearance of being a threat because you can stand out there, if you're only shooting, you know, in the teens from outside, then you know it, at some point that's going to hurt you. Maybe you can get the defense to kind of, you know, play you honestly. We've seen that with Embiid and several other people that shoot below average from deep. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, Miritich from the Bulls for the longest was like he would pump fake guys, and Bargnani did it too. And it's just like, yo, yeah. these guys shoot like 30% from three. What are you doing? Um, but Davis is still a feared sort of player, and so maybe it helps the offense in some ways. But I still think at least being able to stretch the defense out enough to where you know, you're a, a, a deep mid-range threat. And in, you know, I think he could live with that as long as he's getting a pretty – decent dose of, of pick and roll, you know, as a lob threat. What's interesting about AD to me, I think when we talk about the Lakers so much the last couple of years, a lot of the discussion's been they only have a couple of years left of LeBron. They're wasting his time. They're wasting their own time with, you know, one of the greatest players ever. They should be in title contention. They're not. One thing we probably don't talk about enough is how, I mean, injuries have played a role, but Anthony Davis, I think, was supposed to make this ascension into a top five player, you know, the best player on the team, one of the best players in the league, an MVP candidate, and I don't want to spoil the the top 100, which which is coming up soon. You know, he takes a little bit of a bump this year. Do you think that's still a realistic path for him in his career at this point? I'm curious what you think because I, I feel like he's kind of gotten lost the last couple of years people he's gotten this unreliable label whether that's fair or unfair i think there's arguments uh, for both sides of that but mm. do you think that that jump up is still a possibility for him do you do you see us getting that version of ad when it looked like he could have been mvp late in his new orleans tenure so you're asking whether i think he could still be mvp in this league or like a contender for it yeah uh man it's a, it's a really good question i remember literally one year labeling him as like thinking that he would win it the next year mm-hmm. and i've been right about that before i think with Giannis and <laughs> and maybe i picked Jokic you love pointing out every time you were right about Giannis. you're damn to, to right mike and i to mike and i you love because it's <laughs> like it, it's basically like the lavar ball like never lost because if you bet on Giannis, you're gonna be right most of the time but you were absolutely right I, i've done it no sh- no less than 20 times uh AD, I, I remember saying one year I thought he would be the guy the next year. Like, it was one mm-hmm. of those Pelicans years. Uh, it, it's hard to imagine it now. I mean, it's been a while since he's been close to fully healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that there's a little bit of, like, remember those years when USC had, like, Matt Leinart and Reggie Bush? Mm-hmm. And, and granted, like, both of them won a Heisman, but it, it's always a little bit challenging when you've got another superstar on your team that's going to like pull away some of those votes. I mean, we've seen it with Chris Paul and Devin Booker a little bit too. AD turns 30 in March. Yeah. Uh, you normally don't see guys like, you know, ascending into a conversation at that age. Now, granted, the reason that he's been out of it for several years now is like has been because of health. Uh, so again, if his wrist is the reason that he's been a poor shooter and, you know, maybe, but like he's had all sorts of other injuries that, you know, have kept him off the floor. So I, you know, between that, between the fact that he plays with LeBron, um, between the fact that like, you're also kind of at that point asking a question of like, are the Lakers going to be good enough to keep him or put him in an MVP conversation, which I don't think most of us feel that way. My answer would probably be no. Um, you know, could they have maybe gone a different way with this? Like if they'd found a home for Russ, maybe. Um, but again, it's still contingent on AD staying healthy. So I don't, I, I think I would lean more toward no here just because he's not quite on the wrong side of 30, but he's getting there. And uh, I just don't see it as like, I also think there's a ton of contenders for that award and most of them are younger than AD. So I'm going to say no. What about you? Yeah, I, I think I'm with you. I, I don't see it happening, which is a bummer. I I mean, I keep bringing up that one stretch, but it was after Boogie Cousins tore his ACL. They kind of, you know, turned the team over to AD. I think he had that crazy first round against the Blazers that year. He was playing with Rajon Rondo. Uh, 
he was at the center of those lineups, and that team was really good, and it was really exciting. And mm-hmm. it's just been – it's just the overall part of the malaise with the Lakers, and I'm sure people are a little sick of us talking about them, but I don't. I can't think of another team that has two, at worst, top 20 talents that's just so disregarded because of, you know, the rest of the roster construction. And when it comes to Davis, I mean, we, we – <laughs> maybe I cursed him, but I mean, we put him on the cover of SI and it was like, you know, (laughs) him and LeBron are the perfect partnership. They make each other so much better in all these ways. Um, Look at all these things they can do for each other. And it's just been incredibly downhill since then. I mean, coming out of the bubble, he looked like the most, it was, it was like, he didn't have quite the athleticism as Giannis, but it was someone who could hurt you from the floor in more ways than he could. And that was a legitimate conversation in the bubble. And that was after Giannis had won back-to-back MVPs. But it's like, if AD can shoot like this, how do you guard this guy? And then not only that, I mean, they they would guard Kawhi Leonard with Anthony Davis. I mean, he could guard all over the floor. He could be the backline defender. He could guard wings, etc. And now it's just kind of like people are throwing their hands up like, yeah, whatever, if he can stay healthy. And it's just a bummer. You know, like at at his best, he was so good. The the Lakers, man, you know, and I I think – Rob Palenka gets plenty of uh, grief for this from the fan base and from just, you know, analysts and stuff. They they threw a roster together that looked pretty just like at random mm-hmm. the year LeBron got there um, where they did like everybody under the sun shouted, there's not enough shooting here. And granted, mm-hmm. they were trying to see what they had in Lonzo and Ingram and all these other guys. Um. But I, I remember thinking at the time, and I think saying to some extent, um, if you're going into this this first year with LeBron and these young guys, like you you might be kind of wasting a year of LeBron instead of trading them now for something different. Uh, and then obviously they bring in AD right away, and they in doing it, they win big that way. Uh, they get more shooting, and obviously stuff looked better. Then right after they do that. They they go in a different direction as far as the roster. It's like wait wait wait, what are you doing? Um, so it just kind of feels like they, they I don't know. Clock, you know, bro, even a broken clock is right twice a day, sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, where yeah, just like the you know, if you try enough things and you kind of veer so wildly one way and then veer the other, you're gonna kind of fall in the right pattern at times. You have that much talent, you're bound to mm-hmm. win if guys are healthy, but. It just doesn't feel like they've allocated their resources in the best way. Obviously, the Russ trade was one that all of us were kind of left scratching our heads. A lot of us, maybe not all of us, but most of us, I think, were. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it was damaging because they can't get off the deal without giving up more than they want to. So, yeah. uh, you know, it, it, and it sucks because, like, if you're Davis and other people, like, it's going to kind of put a, a, a ding or, you know, kind of a, a a chink in your armor, so to speak, from the standpoint of people are going to wonder how good you are when your team isn't winning, when you're not able to play as often as you'd like, when the fit isn't good. And uh, it's just the reality. Yeah. I still think their best roster was actually the one they put together after the bubble championship team when they had Gasol and Schroeder. And that was just a crazy year that I think they overreacted to. And it is what it is. But I, I think what we're dancing around is it feels like they fell backwards into that championship to some extent. And uh, it's been a little bit of a disaster since then. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Let's move on, however, to another team that has been <laughs> even more dramatic. We got the Brooklyn Nets. Shout out to the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, where do we even begin with the summer they've had and, and the, the content they've given us? Shout out to the Nets for that. But I think the most interesting thing to come out of their training camp so far, both Steve Nash and Ben Simmons acknowledging that playing Simmons at center is a possibility. Uh, Steve Nash saying if he's the lone big, that's a role we would definitely play him at. But he's also our playmaker and point guard. Simmons added, I love playing the five. I don't mind. It's not really something that was realistic for him to do in Philly. Obviously, most of the time sharing the court with Joel Embiid, you know, they had a couple times when they had these small lineups for him that were fun. I still don't know that he was really playing center there. They'd have someone like Ursan Ilyasova, whoever it was, maybe mm-hmm. Mike Scott even, to, to kind of take some of those bulkier matchups. You know, if, if the Nets play their best five players at once, it's going to look something like Kyrie, KD, Joe Harris, Seth Curry, and Simmons. And in those lineups, he's going to have to be the lone big, and he's going to have to guard bigs. You know, I think the pros are obvious, right? Everyone's wanted Simmons to play this Draymond Green-type role. Small ball five, passing, cutting, doesn't have to shoot, can defend the other team's best player. Uh, what do you what do you make of it? Are you excited for it? Do you think it's realistic? Um, is it what you want for him? Yes. Uh, you know, I think more unequivocally than, you know, the Davis conversation with the jump shooting and the wrist, this one maybe it's actually similar in some ways like if he's healthy he's a he seemingly was a great fit for Brooklyn this is actually what a lot of us thought last year is that if he can just jump into that rotation put the Philly stuff behind him which you know might be easier said than done particularly if he was dealing with mental health stuff um playing for a team that already has a lot of shooting and a lot of ball handling should make it like all he's really got to do is defend and be willing to play up tempo to where he can get the open floor uh, Steve Nash put it, you know, wisely. I think where he said, "I don't give a damn if he takes jump shots or not." Basically, uh, which is like seemingly Ben Simmons's utopia uh, mm-hmm. to not have to worry about <laughs> yeah. that. So you know, like everybody else is like hounding him, like, "When are you going to take one?" Like getting paid to do less work. <laughs> 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 uh, I mean, in some ways, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it's you, you think about different things, like. If you just find Ben Simmons underneath in the dunker spot, and, and you know, and Philly tried that to some extent, but like you said, it wasn't going to work all that well, given that Embiid was going to play the majority of the minutes. Uh, this is a team that has some questions, just and, and, and like uh, you know, a lot of youth at, at their big positions uh, with Claxton mm-hmm. and different guys. So that you know, I imagine they'll welcome Simmons with open arms. They will be able to play small but fast. Uh, they have another guy that can distribute if he if they do need him to handle the ball. But you're going to have so much defensive attention focused on KD and Irving, assuming that they're both there. Um, that can only mean good things for Simmons and how much more space he has to operate with and not having a congested paint to deal with. So it, it really did seem like a great move for them. Uh, you know, I could also imagine like Brooklyn would have been more eager to maybe make that deal mm-hmm. faster uh, that they, you know, when they traded Harden for Simmons if they thought that he could just jump in and that he was healthy and that he is mentally good. Um, mm-hmm. But it's certainly like he's, he said all the right things, Simmons. Like Definitely. I thought his JJ Redick appearance was wonderful. It, it actually mm-hmm. made me laugh several times. 
I can't ever remember Ben Simmons making me laugh. I've talked to him several times, and he's like a pretty dry person that doesn't mm-hmm. really seem to like the media. I know that JJ's kind of like a hybrid in, as far as media is concerned, but he seems like he's in the right headspace, at least as far as basketball is concerned. And I'm, I'm eager to see how it plays out because that is something where if Irving is available and Ben Simmons plays anywhere near like the, the level defense he did in Philly and he's healthy, that's a team that all of a sudden, if they stay healthy, that they – you know, you have to consider them more than I think most of us have been doing this offseason because they've just looked so dysfunctional for the last year. I mean, if you're running an Irving Simmons pick and roll and you have KD, Seth Curry, and Joe Harris, bro, the spacing the floor, that's unlike anything he played with the I mean, that's sick. That's really sick. Like, I really want to see that. I mean, and you mentioned the ball handling. I mean, he wouldn't, he could play in lineups with, with, like I mentioned, Kyrie and Seth Curry, and he wouldn't have to worry about handling the ball at all. I mean, KD can even bring the ball up the floor. Uh, it's really exciting. And you mentioned the unproven front court. I mean, Claxton's there. I think we're both fl- fans of Claxton, but there's a ceiling to his game. Sure. Uh, Free throws are a ceiling yeah, to his game. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Dayron Sharp is there, who is unproven, to say the, to say the, <laughs> put it succinctly, I guess. Markeith Morris is an option. Which is not a terrible small ball five, but if you're going to play small ball five, you might as well use Simmons. Mm-hmm. What I'm really fascinated to see, though, is will they have the guts to play that lineup against the Sixers? Because mm. if you think about a hypothetical Nets Sixers matchup, yeah, it's Claxton and then what? Are you going to guard Embiid with Markeith Morris? Are you going to guard him with Dayron Sharp? Are you willing to put those guys in? A, they're probably going to pick up a ton of fouls. B, it's going to completely kind of redo what you're thinking on offense. Do you think they'd have the guts to – because that's all I think about. I I go to sleep thinking about, will the Nets go small against the Sixers? You 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 over here simming to you know simulating to the end of the season basically by asking that question. <laughs> uh, what I would say, and the Nets have been a big fan of using this the last couple of years since they got Katie and, and Irving is is buyout market. Like I mm-hmm. I don't think that yeah. what they go into this season with you know it's how they got Blake, it's how they got um, Lamarcus Aldridge. Like at some point they'll they'll probably be looking to that, and I think that they probably would feel good about their opportunity. They got Drummond, I think that way as well. Um, mm-hmm. Or wait, am I mixing Drummond up? Drummond went to the Lakers. And then I don't remember yeah, anymore. But no. you know, like just just at some point, like they're gonna go to the the buyout market at some point uh, to try to pick up a body who can maybe absorb some fouls. Maybe Hassan Whiteside, perhaps. Yeah, like a little bit difficult at times. But yeah, like they're probably a little bit too small to go straight up against Embiid. But wow, wouldn't that be something to watch? Ben Simmons trying to kind of guard Embiid. Uh, it sounds like a celebrity deathmatch episode more so than a basketball matchup on the floor, but uh, that could be fascinating if, if, if it comes to that, if the Nets are going to really thrive on small ball. Are you ready for some uh, breaking news courtesy of Adrian Wojnarowski? Sure. The Boston Celtics have agreed to a one-year, fully guaranteed deal with, drumroll please, Blake Griffin. Okay. Speaking of buyout big man options, yeah, um, that's pretty uh, much that is to go from Rob Williams and Danilo Gallinari to Blake Griffin is yeah a steep drop off, brother. Yeah, I, I mean, look, you know, like for the role the, that he's probably going to be asked to play, it's like it's funny. You you mentioned his name; it's interesting because of his name, but. Mm-hmm. You know, Blake has a, a really big game every now and then. Mm-hmm. He did that for the Nets even last year after sitting out like weeks at a time at, at times. But, uh, you know, like it, it's break in case of emergency. I know, mm-hmm. it, like, even if they're going to be without Gallinari they, and, and they Williams needed for a, a warm while, body in there. They needed a right. warm body in there. I don't make much of it, but it's like, yeah. a you know, it's a good fit. It's a veteran. It's somebody yeah. that maybe if you need him, like, maybe can, can give you 20 minutes in a game. Here's so. a contribution from our coworker, Michael the Pod Pina. Who says via text? It's not too late to put Blake on the top 100. <laughs> I didn't realize that was why he texted us. That I saw that like 20 <laughs> minutes ago. I just figured he was saying it out of the clear blue sky, and I was like, okay, odd, like slightly, yeah. but 
That makes yeah. more sense now because I've not checked yeah. Twitter since we've been on the <laughs> pod. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Shout that's out to good. Michael. Hi, Michael. Yeah, that's that's good texting from Mike. If anyone's <laughs> wondering if what if he's as big of a Celtics homer in real life as he's on the pod, um, I had no clue why he texted that. That's, that's hilarious. So funny. He didn't post a link or anything when he said it. <laughs> yeah, anyway. nothing. Just. Um, all right, well, let's move on. I think we're in agreement. We want to see Ben Simmons at the five. We agree that they'll probably need to pick up a warm body, but I, I'm desperately hoping to see them go small against the Sixers. I think that would be a ton of fun. So while we're on the topic, let's switch to another team uh, on position watch, as I like to call it. The Miami Heat, who I've talked about it a few times on this podcast, I thought had a disastrous offseason. All their rivals get better. They, they don't do anything. And whether that's because they're trying to preserve cap flexibility, standard luxury tax, etc. There are reasons, sure. There are even good reasons. But at the end of the day, they didn't do anything. So Jimmy Butler's asked if he'd be willing to play power forward this season if pick up some slack at the floor with the departure of P.J. Tucker. This is what Jimmy Butler said on media day. This, is, this reminds me of the time if I asked him if he could stop drinking coffee. And he was like, could I do it? Yes. Will I do it? No. Um, do I think about doing it? No. This is what he said about playing power forward. I don't care about those speculations. I don't play the four. I could play the four. Yes. If they absolutely need me to play the four, I could. Yes. If they absolutely wanted to have a conversation about playing the four, I could. Yes. But I'm not playing the four. <laughs> <laughs> um Right now, Caleb Martin is slotted to take that spot, most likely. I think he's the clubhouse leader. They re-signed him this season. Um, I think what we like about Caleb Martin, young, athletic, uh, promising jump shooter, uh, can really add a dimension to the team in terms of getting out in transition. The Heat play really slow. Um, The cons, at least as it relates to P.J., is he can't really guard up the same way P.J. Tucker could. I mean... The Heat like to switch a lot. They would put P.J. Tucker on Joel Embiid and live with that matchup. They're not doing that, at least not as effectively with Caleb Martin. I don't know that I've really had a chance to talk to you about it, Chris. You know, the Heat allegedly in the talks for Jay Crowder, but I don't know that they can make the salaries work for a trade like that. What do you think about the Heat's options at that position? What should they do? And and do you think that it it could be a little bit of a a death knell to their, their title hopes? I, I would like to think that when the rubber meets the road, that Jimmy Butler will, will play some four. I mean, he Doesn't did in mean, the play for for what it's worth. He did in the playoffs. I mean, they right. would play lineups, and, and he will do it in the postseason. I, I I think what he's getting at, and I agree, is it's not realistic for him to do that full time. I mean, it's also someone that you know Butler. Let me let me say this about Butler before you know, without going on too much of a tangent. He, I remember when the Heat even gave him the deal they gave him. Uh, that I think a lot of people were kind of like, man, Butler's got a lot of wear on his tires. Mm-hmm. Um, he had the Thibodeau years, not just in Chicago, but then played for him in Minnesota. He's like a rugged dude who gets to the line a lot because of how hard he plays. Um, you know, he's, he's he's like a gritty sort of player that he might break down at some point. Like he led the league in minutes or was very close to it like several times under Thibodeau. So the question was like, is he going to age well? Um, and now he's 33 years old. Um, I, you know, he's, he's held up pretty well. Like he's not missed a full season or anything like that, which I think was the fear that a lot of people had. He's held up pretty well. I would say that you don't want to tempt fate too much by asking him to play for the four full time, which I think was probably the response you were hearing from him. It was like, am I going to play the four? No, I'm not. Uh, like you said, playoffs, I'm sure he will. Crowder, that would be a great spot for him. Uh, Mm -hmm. if they can make something work, uh, because he, it's kind of what he specializes in is like the idea of being like a versatile enough three, but big enough and strong enough to play a four, uh, for most teams, like in in like a pretty decent, maybe like a slightly overrated, but like decent shooter, um, Mm -hmm. someone who can fit most teams defenses. You could plug him in most teams and he could be somewhat useful in that role. I mean, he's been with Miami before. So that's kind of the thought. Uh, yeah, you don't want to... I, I mean, even if Butler could do it, like he's saying, like he could, I don't think you'd want him to. Because if, if he does get hurt doing that, um, 
which he could, you know, if he's playing the whole year. I, I remember covering Mello and and a lot of different people. A lot of guys, like we talked about Davis earlier, a lot of people don't like playing up a position. They just don't. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more physical. It's, it's hard. It's hard. It wears on your body. And, like, mm-hmm. the league is still very, very physical place. Like, if you don't think that, go back and watch one game of that Bucks celtics series where <laughs> yeah. Giannis and Grant Williams were sumo wrestling each other. It, you know, it's, it's a physical league. I understand Butler's stance on that. Uh, they can survive certainly without him playing there most of the time, but uh, it, it, it would be difficult if they don't do anything to fill the hole. Like it's funny until you mentioned it, I really did not realize their roster was so barren of fours, really. Um, and even as far as centers are concerned, like it's basically just two of them: Bam, well, Bam and yeah, Deadman. Pretty much. Well, I guess you're, you got you're, yeah. You've got Omer Yersvin too, but. I don't know, like two guys that you would probably actually play. Um, yeah, it, it's it's a little I mean, tough. I didn't realize that they were that thin, kind of at their fours and their fives. But we'll see what happens. They're in a weird spot. I, I'm with you. I mean, it's possible Haywood Highsmith is the next Max Struess or Gabe Vincent. Although, can you really count on him in a playoff series? Let alone the regular season. Who knows? I'm with you. Center position too. They're obviously very happy with the Yurtsevin's development. At the same time, I think that even Deadman in that Celtic series had become unplayable. You know, they were going to, to Tucker at the five or playing Bam heavy minutes. I, I think they kind of re- need to redo their front court a little bit. And even though Deadman's been really good for them, I think they need a, a different kind of center. I don't think they need both of Yurt and Deadman. And yeah, they need some they need some size at the four. It's going to be interesting because... I think a lot of people, myself included, were really skeptical of the Heat last season. That was even though they were the number one seed, and mm-hmm. they still came so close to making yeah. the finals. I think closer than anyone could have imagined. I mean, what Butler did in the playoffs, his Game Six performance. I mean, they they pushed the Celtics, who you know obviously the Bucks did as well, but the Celtics were running away with the league in the second half of last season. I didn't think Miami would play them that close. I don't know anyone who did, and they really were one shot away from almost winning that series and I, I think to to come that close and not make the tweaks not kind of push the pat riley pushing the chips to the table it surprises me a little bit yeah um and it's funny as you were talking like i'm sitting here looking at the uh, you know the the salaries that the heat mm-hmm. have on their roster and about what crowder makes and it's like wow because it's so funny you said that and i really hadn't thought about the fact that in my mind like crowder makes like a you know slightly above average amount mm-hmm. of money in the nba particularly when you consider that like he's you know i wouldn't say he's wildly important but like he's a he's the sort of guy that if you don't have someone that can do what he does Con- contenders want be, him contenders want exactly him. and that you know he's a he's like a well not exactly the same but like he's a very he's like he's a pj tucker light i feel like people mm-hmm. seek out a pj tucker type even more because he might even be able to play like some small ball five you're not going to probably ask that of crowder but a guy that can hit an occasional three again even if it's slightly below average from there or maybe too hyped of a reputation from there but a guy that's just rugged enough you know a guy that instills some culture and kind of would fit the heat culture from kind of being a guy that other players don't like from the other team and stuff like that uh, so to look at his salary and to look at the fact that um, the Heat, it would be very challenging to kind of find a collection of guys that make about the same amount of money as him. I didn't realize that their roster, they've got a really strange roster as far as yeah. the salaries are concerned, where you've got guys that make 28, 30 million. You've got Hero that makes like 5 million, but obviously mm-hmm. is due to make a lot more than that at some point. Um, hell, you've even got Duncan Robinson now making like really considerable money. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't have many guys in there that make like four, five, six million that you could package two of them together and then trade them for a Crowder. So it it is interesting, and I had not thought about that. But uh, he would be the kind of prototype for them to tackle, mm-hmm. who doesn't disrupt your offense too much because he's not going to need so so many shots, but would fit right in with your defense. It really comes down to if the Suns are willing to do something like Duncan. Robinson for Jay Crowder. It would have to be like straight up. Even I, I don't know that that's realistic. If the Suns would want him, um, yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird situation. And I, I'm curious to see how the Heat do during the regular season because obviously Spo gets the most out of his groups uh, typically. But the East got better. The top of the East got better. So that's going to be interesting. 
Let's move on to a couple last quick things here. I wanted to talk about James Wiseman's preseason debut. I wrote an entire story calling him Jonathan Wiseman. I don't. I think I'm like I Bro. conflate Jonathan Coachman and James Wiseman is a thing that I do. Um, I don't know why. It's just, I don't it's know there. why you do that either. You know, That's shout really out funny. to shout out to the WWE. Um, but James That's Wiseman, funny. yeah, played in his first NBA sanctioned. Herring's going to have to sit with this one for a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe just a tad. That's hilarious, bro. I know, dude. I know. I got a text from our editor, Terrell. He's like, he's like, bro, Jonathan Wiseman? And I was like, oh, no. not It's not the first time I've done it, too. Hey, man, I didn't know this Harry Styles movie, so we're even. (laughs) Sort of. Although although I will say uh, Wiseman does play in the league we cover, so maybe maybe I still have a slight edge here. Well, to my point, he has not played in the league we've covered for a long time because he <laughs> finally played in an NBA-sanctioned game for the oh, first gosh. time since April 2021. Yesterday, I don't know how to describe it. It happened in Tokyo today, maybe. I don't know. Um, he played 24 minutes, dropped 20 points on 8 of 11 shooting, 8 rebounds, a block, and an assist. Uh, I mean, as far as preseason exhibitions go, it, it was... Just a positive that he's able to get out there. He obviously did play pretty well playing as the Wizards' backups. I, you know, I feel like the thing about Wiseman is everyone's like, he's the second overall pick. You know, he should be an all-star, blah, blah, blah. At this point, I'm throwing it out the window. And all that matters to me is, can he be a valuable part of a championship team? Because if you if you got that, then you're in good shape. That's all that matters at this point. And I still, I look at his skill set, and I'm like, Steph's not really played with this kind of a vertical threat in the pick and roll before. Right. You know, Wiseman has a soft touch. He can give them a shooting element that they've not not really had at that position before. He's athletic. He could maybe give them a little bit of a rim protector in a way they've not had before. And all those things, even if he's not doing them at an elite level, I think could still make him incredibly valuable to this team. What, What do you make of Wiseman? Because at the same time, it's like, how much time do you commit to developing him when you're trying to win a championship this season um yeah where where do you where do you want to see the team go with Wiseman well I I will say this and I don't think it will be too much of an issue um I'm very interested in the Draymond extension talks uh it actually sounds like there's not going to be an extension Draymond essentially said seemingly that that's dead in the water but even if you felt like you were kind of ready to cash in your Wiseman chips and, and go in a different direction, which they could have done last year. And, you know, I'm sure there were people thinking that they should have done that with him, Kaminga, Moody, whatever, um, to go get an established vet who could help them even more uh, last year when they're in the middle of a title run. Uh, you know, if, if for some reason Draymond decides he wants to cash out and go make the most money he can and he plays a lot of small ball five for you, Wiseman at some point, like I, I would imagine, becomes an even bigger part of your immediate future. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm kind of curious, even just if that's the only reason, Draymond can opt out after this year, and it sounds like he's going to, particularly mm. if he has a good year. Uh, I would not be in a rush to kind of move on from Wiseman. Yesterday was very promising. The, the game he played in Japan was very promising. Granted, it was against the, the Wizards. Granted, it was not all the Wizards starters. Uh, but, I mean, of the eight baskets he made, five of them were dunks. Uh, a lot of them were just kind of guys probing into the paint and just kind of, you know, throwing a wrap around to him. Steph throwing a lob for him once he collapsed the defense, which, like you said, Steph has not had that guy. He's had Kevon Looney. Mm-hmm. Uh what was the dude's name in the finals that Kerr wouldn't stop playing a couple years ago? That was uh, that was just kind of brutal. And and now since Fastest then, fastest Azili, yeah, like hasn't really <laughs> played since then. Uh, hasn't played since then. I don't know if he yeah. has. Uh, you know, like basically like had injuries that you know have, have prevented him from playing. Like you said, Bogut. You know, like these are not guys that are vertical lob threats really at all. Um, they're guys that, you know, are, are mostly used for defense that can make an occasional play or basket here or there. Looney had great moments last year. He's a very good player. He's a very good fit for their system. Draymond is another one that when he's in there as a small ball five, he's uh-huh. used more as like a, you know, as a passer, a distributor. So there have not been really any vertical threats uh, at the big position for Steph to use. Wiseman changes that. 
and and obviously has a little bit of a game outside that he hit a really nice jumper yesterday he had a mm-hmm. nice block or two yesterday like he's a just a different sort of threat than this team has had uh he's got rough edges that need to be smoothed mm-hmm. out i imagine even more of them than you know maybe some people would like given that he's missed time but uh i don't know like i would be very 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 slow to try to move on from him or to rush his development in light of the fact that they won a championship without him even being there like the fact is you you know the the best way to build this and i think the way that the warriors are interested in building this thing and i think they've said this they would love to build like a spurs sort of situation where at this point they've got all the titles they've got and you're trying to smoothly transition this thing into the next run uh and steph and, and those guys can maybe win another championship or two wiseman can be part of that and then you hand off the reins at some point as steph pushes closer to 40 that would be beautiful if they could do that. You've got Kaminga and you've got Moody and who knows what else down the pipeline. So I, you know, I, I think you just kind of wait and see where it goes. You have enough to win without him being a huge cog, but if you can involve him in it and have him be a part of helping a team toward another title, uh, you struck gold. And um, you know, keep in mind this is a team that a lot of people have looked at and said like, how could you have not drafted Lamelo? Mm-hmm. Um, which you know, granted, there were maybe times where that looked like a fair question. Um, but we haven't really gotten a chance to see Wiseman play more than what did he play thirty nine games that one year? Yeah. So let's let's wait and see because he still looks plenty talented. It's just a preseason game, but if he's even half of what he was showing yesterday, which would be about what he did in his rookie season production wise, that that wouldn't be that bad. And you could still trade him for something. A, a teams would be thrilled to have him and would probably give you something good for him if you had to do that for some reason. Absolutely. And the Draymond thing is interesting, and it's a. Uh... It's a subtext to this story. As you mentioned, are they going to extend him? Uh, it, it does. It seems like the contract thing is going to spill over into next summer. It's. Uh, I can't imagine a world in which they're so comfortable with Wiseman after one year that they're willing to let Draymond mm-hmm. go. But it's it's a possibility. I, I don't know what, what percent I'd put on it, but it's definitely an interesting one to discuss. Um, Where yeah, do you man, think that it, will land? Because I can't imagine... like. No matter how they comfortable they are with back. Wiseman, I, I think that they'll bring him yeah. back on, yeah. on some deal. I don't think he's going to get the max that he wants. It will be if they win a title, Draymond and, and Draymond is a huge part of it. And he has like a defensive player of the year caliber season. He's coming for that max. Like he's going to want that. And I think he's going to be more demonstrative about wanting that. Um, but, if, you know, if they don't get there with him, I'm, I can't, it's just. It would be so weird seeing Draymond yeah. in a different uniform, and I also think other teams are going to say he fits them uniquely in a way that he wouldn't yeah. fit. They them, just uh, any other me, team other than maybe the yeah. Blazers, which I think still would be yeah. a perfect fit for him. But. Right. To me, they just can't break up those three. They can't break up Steph, Clay, and Dre. It's just I wouldn't do it. I I don't like the karma of it. I'll, I know that's ridiculous, and there's no basis in fact. Whatever. I just there's something to be said about the chemistry the knowledge the example they set for everyone on that team the respect they command that i just think those dynamics change if you lose one of them you mentioned you know bringing along this next group do i think moses moody jonathan kaminga and james wiseman are going to be the next steph dre and clay no but do i think that if you keep the core together and those three develop alongside them then i think you do extend this championship window for another five to six years as long as steph is playing as long as clay is playing as long as Dre's on the team so yeah to me i can't imagine them losing dre i think it would be a terrible idea on on so many levels at, at the end of the day he's still one of the top five most impactful defenders in the league and you saw in the finals he had a game or two where he struggled and then he comes back the next game and you know makes a gigantic impact so I don't think they can lose him, and I think, you know, Wiseman can help because his skill set, like I said, if he develops the shot, like, he's the kind of center, you know, there were times, I think, later in the postseason last year that the Warriors looked better with one of Draymond or Looney on the floor, and often Mm -hmm. it was Looney, right? but I think Wiseman's the kind of person that could play alongside Draymond, uh, could be kind of that center who doesn't need to come off the floor if they need the size, and that's the thing, at the end of the day, this is all... A luxury. I mean, I, I, you know, we'll see if they need someone like Wiseman in a matchup against a Jokic or whomever. But it's not a. It, it's not like this team's in desperate need for a center either. But 
he I think he could still play a really impactful role. The skill set is just it's really good. Too big. The skill set's yeah. too big and too vast to. Mm-hmm. Nobody would write him off, but it, like you said, the the definition of luxury is winning a championship without him even there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but still, you don't know what he could develop into, so you should not be any, and they won't be in any sort of rush to look to do something else with him. You want to see how he does this season. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge, or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo. Play. Let's move on to one of my last takeaways here. I uh, just want to touch on this quickly because this is encouraging news and I'm interested by it. Uh, Zion Williamson taking part in a five-on-five scrimmage at Pelicans practice. Apparently Larry Nance told reporters, he, he asked Zion, did you realize you didn't miss a shot? And Zion said no. Um, I think the, the guys were excited about how good he looked. I think more importantly, he ran with the starting group. So it was CJ, Herb Jones, Balanchunas, Brandon Ingram, Brandon Ingram, and Zion Williamson running together. What do you think of that lineup on paper? Because obviously it's very exciting. It's a very 2K lineup. It doesn't really have a real point guard. It's just get the best five guys together on the floor. We love what Herb Jones can do defensively. Ingram, I think, is solid on that end of the floor. Zion and Valanciunas is going to be an interesting front court, but what do you make of that lineup? What are kind of your thoughts for it? Yeah, uh, I, I mean that that's a, maybe the team I'm suddenly like most curious about. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, the, the the arrow was pointing way up after their postseason run last year, and and giving the Suns all they could handle before the Suns would obviously lose to Dallas. Um, I'm just really curious. I mean, they had a lot of talent. I mean, clearly a lot of talent, and that was before you had Zion. They have some really nice individual defenders. They've obviously got some scoring even without Zion there. Uh, two really good scorers. You've got one of the best rebounders in the league. Uh, it, it, it's just going to be interesting to watch. I think the point guard conversation is interesting. I think that they could potentially pull JV out of those lineups to some extent if they want to go a little bit smaller and maybe have a little bit more speed that they're playing with, which they should be able to do whenever they want to. Um, and and maybe, you know, take CJ off the ball a little bit if they want to. But look, like I think CJ's handled the ball enough to where they can make do with what they have. Ingram will have the ball in his hands plenty. Zion will have the ball in his hands plenty. And to some extent, uh, you know, it would be nice to have a setup man, but I don't know that they need it. Like I, part of me just really wants to see this group rock and roll for mm-hmm. a while first and then make whatever tweaks you need to make. Uh, they're going to have a lot of different lineups that they can throw out there because of all the scoring versatility mm-hmm. they're going to have. 
because you know even just defensively they've got some nice pieces you we want to get Alvarado Alvarado. On the floor. Yep. yeah we haven't even talked about him so like you could potentially throw him out there you might not really want him to shoot a whole lot anyway and just kind of be a, more of a setup man for all the other scorers you're going to have so it's a fascinating team it's a really positive sign I, I, I will say I've heard of guys that have been off with a long-term injury before coming back saying that they're dominating I, I remember actually seeing Derrick Rose dominate the mm-hmm. preseason after his ACS first ACL thing and getting really excited to watch him and then you know watching another injury happen so I don't want to get too far uh you know ahead in, in any of this but it's you know it's promising for a team that even if Zion wasn't back I think would be promising but certainly the fact that he is uh fans there should be really 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 excited there's a lot of fan bases I've I was in Cleveland for most of this this week uh, with training camp. A lot of teams should be excited. Cleveland, you know, uh, New Orleans, certainly the Clippers have to feel great about all the depth that they're going to roll out. Um, and hell, you, you can find ways, even if you're a Lakers fan, to feel a lot better about the fact that if Davis is being truthful about the wrist thing, that you would feel better yeah, about that absolutely. stuff. Like it's, that's the wonderful thing about camp and the wonderful thing about preseason is like it's kind of like – you know everyone is hope hope springs eternal basically is that every team should feel relatively good i don't know if the bulls will feel that way about the lonzo ball stuff but pretty much everybody else uh should have reason for optimism right now i'm i'm with you and and that was really i think a, a theme of the story i wrote a lot of these teams should be very excited about where things are going everyone's saying the right things um as far as the pelicans go i'm with you i'm really excited like i i i don't to me, it's hard to put a ceiling on how hard they can rise in the West this year. I mean, they were obviously made it as a playing team last year, the eighth seed, but they were really good the second half of the season. And they're adding someone who last time we saw him play was putting up 27 points a night on 60% shooting. Uh, obviously, as you said, you know there are defensive concerns. But yeah, like roll out that group and see what it could does. At some point, you have to see how your best five players play together and... I mean that that is the potential to be one of a, a devastating offensive lineup. Uh, I'm I'm really really fascinated to see how it goes. I think Willie Green uh, was one of my favorite stories from last season. What an incredible coaching job he did. Uh, they're going to be a lot of fun, man. And I, I mean, it wouldn't shock me honestly. It would not shock me some of these veteran teams if they get an injury or, or load management, whatever. I, I, Pelicans wouldn't shock me if they're fighting for home court in, in the first round. Uh, uh, that's how, you know, talented I think that starting five is. And we talked about that, didn't you? Was was yeah. it them that you had in your home court and that you pulled Phoenix out of your home court? I think or was I had it them. You... I think I had them fifth, but I pulled Phoenix out because of them. And I said, "Screw it, let's go." Right, right. Yeah. Hell, <laughs> yeah. why? Why not? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so that'll be interesting. Uh, yeah, man, Phoenix. Oh, we didn't get into the Suns, but let's talk about a team that has not had a hopeful training camp. <laughs> Let me add it's one thing Suns. before we mm-hmm. go here is I, I think the thing that is a little bit under discussed, but is relevant when you talk about the the defensive struggles that the Pelicans can have. You know, Herb Jones is is fantastic. Uh, mm-hmm. He can't do it all by himself, and you're gonna have a lot of scores out there that are known mostly scores. Uh, Zion's gotta give the effort defensively, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I spent time in Cleveland this week with essentially Donovan Mitchell owning how porous he's been defensively, um, and you know, to some extent, saying that he kind of relied on the idea of like, yeah, I know I'm like the only real, real big offensive weapon here in Utah. So, or I, I was that way in Utah. So I kind of grew content with the idea of not giving as much defensive effort, which I, I can applaud him owning that. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though Utah still had like one of the most efficient offenses in the league for the last couple of years. Uh, that won't be the case for him in Cleveland, where he's got Mobley and he's got uh, Jared Allen. Zion can't really say that. Like Now he's got more offensive talent around him than when he left. Uh, he doesn't have a bevy of like good defenders behind him necessarily. Mm-hmm. So he's going to have to work harder. Um, and he's not going to have an excuse, you know, if, if he's looking as good as he looks like he really needs to save some of it for defense. Like there won't be an excuse right now. He was too great in college. That will always be one of the big like question marks to me is like, how is it that certain guys that are dominant, dominant players at the college level 
on both sides of the ball, like a Carl Anthony Towns, how is it that they sometimes get to the league and they just aren't even really good defensively for a while? Scheme stuff can explain some of it, but effort, I think, explains a lot of it too, where you get thrown a lot of money and a lot of, you know, promise and top 10, top 15, top 20 ranks and, you know, top 100s and whatnot. And you're a franchise guy and you just kind of decide I don't have to. So I don't know if that's what it's been for Zion, but there are times where he's just so far out of position or the effort isn't as good as it should be. If it's good this season and he fits within their defensive scheme this season, they can be scary. And I really, like you said, I don't even know what the limit is for them if he's playing both sides of the ball. Yeah, I mean, if he's able to put in the work and get his defensive instincts and reaction to the level of where his athleticism is, that opens Mm. up a whole new level. Uh, for that starting five, and it would be really, really thrilling to watch. And I'm with you. We, we want those players that are of his caliber. We should expect for them to be held to that standard defensively. Um, at the very least, they can't be hurting their team on that end of the floor. And we've seen guys, even if they get targeted, whether it's the Devin Bookers of the world, whoever it is, make the improvement, do what it takes uh, to help put their teams in that new level. Well, Chris, I think that will do it. Uh, for today's episode of Open Floor, I know you want to get out of here and head right to the theater to go see Don't Worry, Darling. Um, <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> listen, man, the, Harry Styles and Florence Pugh are doing some things in that movie that I'm like, oh, I didn't know that they, you know, they, they don't show a lot of this usually in the movies. Is it MC17, it bro? <laughs> why, why you say it like that? <laughs> it's a... I was about to say it's a hard R, but that has it's just a. <laughs> this this podcast <laughs> needs to end right now. <laughs> but it's a it's a it's a strong rated R movie. Thank you. I'll just for clarifying put it that. that. Yeah, I'll just put it a hard at that. R. Yeah, Ooh. that's a phrase. I think that's a phrase that people in that industry use as well. Um, Maybe they, they, they maybe yeah, the phrase yeah. they should not use anymore. <laughs> yeah, should not. Yeah, <laughs> this, this um, podcast went off the rails the last yeah, minute. Yeah, absolutely. Shout out, absolutely. shout out to us. Uh, oh man, well, Chris, thank you so much. Enjoy your weekend. Shout out to the Open Floor Globe. Please keep your emails coming. Openfloormail at gmail We're running out of time. We want to do this mailbag episode, but we want only the best of the best. So keep the emails coming. Openfloormail at gmail Until then. Please continue to enjoy the NBA Austin. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. (laughs) Ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.